Good to see everybody here. Yeah, good looking group. Yeah. Well, today we get to talk about rehabbing relationships. Do you guys love rehabbing things? Does anybody in the room like actually love taking something that was old and repurposing it, buying something that Salvation Army and, you know, roughing it up, painting it again? Anybody? Houses? Yeah, I love doing that stuff. Um, I have uh, 12 years of construction experience, so I mean, that's, that was what we did. We actually did dollar houses in the Quad Cities, so we'd take these really beat-up houses and we'd dump about ninety dollars to $100,000 into them and just completely restore and rehab a house. And so uh, today we're actually going to be talking about what rehabbing looks like in relationships, though. And I like to use the word rehab as opposed to restoring, because when you rehab something, you're actually bringing new life to it, and you're bringing it back to life. And then when you restore something, you're bringing it back to its original state. And how many of you know that with relationships, sometimes it's really hard to restore a relationship back to its original state, but you can rehab relationships, that there's actually there's a way to rehab relationships, and God's very much a part of that. As we've been going through this month, we're talking about Jehovah Jireh and that he's a God that will provide. And Jehovah Jireh means that he will also provide for your your life, he'll provide for your finances, he'll, he'll provide for your family, but he will also provide for your relationships. God will provide as you rehab relationships. He's very much a part of them. If those aren't something distant that God doesn't know about. He doesn't know, like our heart is, oh man, I'd love for this relationship to be restored and rehabbed. And the Lord knows that because he knows us. And so today we're going to be looking at the story of Jacob and how he rehabs a relationship in the Bible. First off, we have Jacob. This is Jacob here. Pretty cool guy, huh? Um, so this is his dad. And the story of Jacob is, is when Jacob actually was a little bit, his dad was getting old and he was going blind, Jacob actually dressed up like his older brother and snuck in and stole his older brother's blessing. As an older child, you got a blessing. And so Jacob stole his older brother Esau's blessing. And then the Bible says that he scarcely went away. So, you know, just kind of imagine this. He steals something and then he just kind of takes off. And then after that, Jacob, on his journey, he gets sent out from his hometown and running away from his brother, he meets his wife, Rachel. And so to have Rachel as his wife, he actually devoted seven years of his life to Laban. And he worked for Laban for seven whole years, and then Laban says, you can have your wife. And he tricks him. Instead of giving him Rachel, he says, you can actually have my older daughter, Leah, and then, so he has Leah, and then Laban says, I'll give you Rachel too, but I need another seven years out of you. And so he works for 14 years for his wife. Can I get an amen, women? Okay. <laughs> it's such a cool story. I'm just, side note, like, I've always wondered, why are we, like, redoing really bad movies when you have the Bible? Does anybody else realize that? Like, when's the last time you've seen a good movie? Anyways, so we have Jacob ran from Esau, gets married 14 years away, 
But then God tells them, the Lord said to Jacob, I want you to go back to your hometown. No, <laughs> I don't really want to do that. My brother is very upset with me. He says, I want you to go back. It actually says in Genesis 32 or 31.3, it says, go back to your homeland. And God says, and I will be with you. I will be with you. So Jacob leaves Laban's house, who he's been working for for 14 years. He has this entire family now, and he heads back to his homeland. But you know what's going to happen when he gets there, don't you? When you've made some really big messes in the family, there's going to be some type of rehab in the family dynamics. And so Jacob has to walk through what I think is really hard to do. And that's come back to messes that we make. It's tough. But let's look at Jacob's life and see how the Lord rehabs his life, how he rehabs this relationship. It's found in Genesis 32, 1. We're going to be looking at this. Um, I'd love to just go ahead and pray, and then we'll, we'll dive right in. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to get beyond our minds we thank you that your word is beyond something that we just grasp with our heads and, oh, yeah, I know that, or I know that story, or any of that. Lord, would you speak directly to our hearts as we, uh, as we look at Genesis, as we look at the story of Jacob? Would you teach us how to rehab relationships in our life, the areas of our life that you're passionate about, the, the areas of our life that aren't forgotten, Lord, I just choose to get out of your way. Just come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and just speak directly through me, Lord, to um, use, the, use my heart and every aspect of this message through studying it that, that you've revealed. Would every single thing that needs to be said be said today? We open up our hearts to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Genesis 32 says, Jacob also went on his way. So the Lord told him, head back to your hometown. I'm going to be with you. And so Jacob heads on his way, and, an, and the angels of God met him. Pretty cool, right? When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named it Maham. So the angels of God meet Jacob on the way. You're doing the right thing. You're on the right path. Keep going, Jacob. I'm going to be with you. We're in this together. And the angels of God meet him. Would you like that to happen in your life? You're on your way to work, and the angels of God meet you and say, you're doing the right thing. And so in the Old Testament, it always talks about the angels of God. Actually, Jacob has this picture of the stairway to heaven. Led Zeppelin knew all about it. And so the, he has this picture of Jacob's ladder where there's angels coming from heaven down to earth and then going back to heaven. And he has this whole vision and this dream. Because in the Old Testament, angels would actually speak to you. But in the New Testament, we kind of live in a different time frame now. Because what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross is he prepared us and paved the way that the Holy Spirit resides inside of us. 
So God's presence actually lives inside of us. Not because of something special that we've done, but because of something that Jesus has done for every single one of us in this room. So we don't have angels speaking to us very often. It still happens today sometimes, but most of the time, it's the presence of God speaking to us. So it's his leading, his guidance, him giving us vision and dreams. If you look at uh, Acts 2, it's not going to be up here, Acts 2, 17. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. His presence lives inside of us. So that encouragement, that leading and direction that we've always wanted, and it'd be so great if an angel of the Lord said, yes, this is the job you're supposed to take. This is the school you're supposed to go to. This is the neighborhood. You have the Holy Spirit actually leading you and guiding you. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So every single one of us has this opportunity to have the Holy Spirit reside inside of us. So Jacob Here's the angel say, this is the direction you want to go. You're doing the right thing. We have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us as we go through life. You're doing the right thing. You're on the right path. This is what I have for you. So Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Syria, the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my Lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I've been, been staying with Laban and have remained there until now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, male and female servants. Now I'm sending this message to my Lord that you may find favor in my eyes. When the messengers returned to Jacob, he said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he's coming to meet you with 400 men. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. In great fear and distress is the next line in verse 7. In great fear and distress. So God says, I want you to go back to your town. I'm going to be with you. You have angels saying this is the right direction for you to go. And in great fear and distress... We find Jacob. Even though he's doing the right thing, there's still fear. He's hearing that his big brother, Esau, who he robbed of his blessing, is coming to meet him with 400 men. So Jacob divided the people who were with him in the two groups and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought if Esau comes to attack one group, the group that that is left may escape. So Jacob stays back, divides everything, sends out some gifts to Esau. He gives him a Chipotle $25 gift card. Here you go, Esau. Are we good? We're okay, right? Here's a gas card for your trip to come meet me. Really excited about meeting you. So he's just kind of trying to soften the blow of, of meeting with Esau. And he instructed them in, one, in the one in lead. When my brother Esau asks, who do these belong to? And where are you going? And who owns all these animals in front of you? Then you are to say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift 
sent from sent to my Lord Esau, and he's coming behind us. So remember this part of Jacob's life. What happened when Jacob stole Esau's blessing was Jacob is actually now in the blessing. It says that you will actually, that people will serve, your, your older brother will be serving you now. And so here's Jacob trying to mend this. They belong to your servant Jacob. I'm, I'm here to serve you. He also instructed the second, the third, and the others who followed the herds. You are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with all these gifts I am sending ahead. Later, I will see him and perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in camp. So he sends all these gifts, he sends all these people, let's try to get ahead of the game, let's soften them up, and then I'm going to go and meet them. So Jacob spends the night, and then the next morning, chapter 33, verse 1 says, Jacob looked up, and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the, the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants, He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as they approached his brother. So I want you to picture this. He's been preparing the way. Hopefully Esau will will take me in. Hopefully there's not a a gigantic fight coming because this guy's got 400 men with him. He bows down to the ground seven times. I'm your servant, Jacob. I'm your servant, Jacob. I'm here to serve you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look at what Jehovah Jireh can do. Look at what Jehovah Jireh can do. In verse 4, the very next verse says, But Esau ran to meet Jacob. The very next verse, Esau takes off running. Back in this time, people didn't like pull up their skirts and run. They, it was very, it wasn't common for a man to go taken off running. But Esau sees his brother and takes off running. What's your first thought for Jacob? I'm running. (laughs) Get me out of here. This guy's got 400 people. I have made him so mad. It's been 14 years. Has it just built up? The anger, especially when it's not common for people to run, and he goes, takes off running to them. Look at what Jehovah Jireh does in this. Esau ran to Jacob and embraced him, and he threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him, and they wept. <laughs> That's what Jaira does. He'll provide. He'll provide even in our relationships, even in the most broken relationships you've ever had in your entire life. In Jacob's relationship, there was theft, there was hurt, there was pain. He stole his birthright. The hardest thing to try to restore. Is hurt and pain. 
And the other part in Jacob's story is there was distance. Distance is sometimes it, it breeds anger. I can't wait till I see Jacob. Esau made a vow. He made a vow that the next time I see Jacob, I am going to kill that guy. And then there's distance of 14 years. But with Jehovah Jireh, what he does is he's actually been moving on Esau's heart this entire time. Jacob's trying to prepare the way and send him some gifts. And you know what the truth of the matter is, is in the Bible, it says that Esau wouldn't even accept those things. He was more concerned about the relationship than he was the gifts. You can try to mend it with loving me with a bunch of gifts, but the real thing is, is I want to run to you and I want to embrace you. I want to kiss you on the cheek and say, I forgive you of everything you've done. And you see this in Jacob's story. A couple things that we can take away is Jacob listened to the Lord. He was obedient. Jacob, I want you to go back to your homeland. And then the angels of the Lord come alongside him. You're doing the right thing. You're on the right path. Keep heading that way. And so many times in our life, you know, the Holy Spirit's speaking. He's saying something. Hey, I want to I restore this. I want to rehab that relationship. Will you let me work? I got you. I, I'm going I'm to give you the right words to say. So Jacob has, he listens to the Lord. Then he prepares himself. By bowing down to Esau seven times. This is a way of Jacob preparing his heart. I'm so sorry for what I've done. I've made a, I made a really big mess. And would you accept me back? Another part you see in this story is Esau has a chance to forgive. He has a chance to forgive. He could have totally went on the attack. Instead, he forgives. He runs, he embraces, he loves. Esau is able to see his nieces and nephews now. He's able to see his brother again. Be able to watch their family grow up and be alongside them in that journey. Restore that brotherhood that they had. Esau forgives. John 13, 33 says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Love each other. You know, in most of my broken relationships, I am right. I am. 
I'm amazed at how right I am in so much in life, especially if the relationships went wrong. I'm totally the one in the right. And it's hard even when, when you are right <laughs> to, to be Esau and say, you know what, no matter what, I forgive. The relationship is more important to me than me being right. That's a tough spot to be in. I value your relationship more than I value me being the correct one in this situation. So what the Lord's done in those 14 years is he's been preparing Esau's heart. He's been preparing Esau to be able to forgive Jacob. And now, so I was thinking about this message this week because, you know, I, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but one of the hardest things about being a pastor is God literally puts you through everything that you preach. I'm dead serious. <laughs> don't laugh. It's not funny. No, I'm just joking. It's okay. But I literally have to walk through everything. So this entire time, Holy Spirit's like, you got some relationships. You got to restore. You know, I want to rehab some stuff in you. And so that looked like responding to some texts and some mess Facebook messengers that I didn't want to. I am right. And they've done me wrong. So you're getting ghosted. And so I had to do that this week. And there was a sense of freedom from that. It's like I had an upper hand on someone by not responding to them. <laughs> There's a freedom in that when, when we just lay down who's right and who's wrong and just say, you know what, the relationship's more important than that. Holy Spirit, oh man, I hear you. <laughs> Jeez. I think one of the biggest struggles in, in stories like this is we want people to be fixed before we engage. You know, if you do these things, then we can have a relationship again. If you, if you fix up your life, then I'll finally build that relationship again, and we'll look at rehabbing it. And So you let me know when you're all fixed up. Jacob was not fixed in this story at all. He's still conniving Laban out of sheep. <laughs> He's still stealing and doing things behind the scenes to try to improve his life and take away from other people's life. He wasn't fixed up at all. It was 14 years of twisting circumstances that made him actually look better than what he was. But Esau actually took the road of saying, you know what, I just choose to forgive you. I love you. And that's what I see in this book. That's what I see in Jesus' words. This new commandment I give you is to love one another. Just as God has loved us. When I came to Jesus, I was not fixed. I was so broken. My life was a disaster. It was a mess. But Jesus just said, you know what? I love you. I love you. 
just the way you are today. So this is the Jesus that we follow that accepts us. And what I see in this story is this is the Jesus that we follow that accepts others. Not fixed, broken. We take the low road as Christians and we say, you know what? Man, I just choose to forgive you no matter what you've done. At first service, this, this message, this part of it was really heavy. And um, it's just heavy, you know, like it's like a weight. Like, oh, my gosh, like, do I got to take out my phone right now and start texting people? <laughs> you know, like all these things that we, you know, feel like. And what I see in this story is the Holy Spirit. God was leading Jacob. He was leading Jacob. And sometimes we need to just trust the leading of his presence. Okay, God, is this actually something you're inviting me into? David in Psalms 139 says it best. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. So is there something, is there a relationship in my life that you're wanting to rehab? Maybe not make it exactly what it was, but to actually make it better than what it was. Because he's Jehovah Jireh and he can do miracles. And so the heaviness, the weight of this is not something for us to take on. It's something for us to trust Jesus with and take it to the cross and say, God, I'm just going to trust you in this. Because there's freedom in that. Just to be able to release it to him and say, God, you know what? If this is something that you're doing, then I'm going to choose to just trust you. So I'd love for us to just do that today. Just trust him. One thing that I love to do is, is something feels like, man, this is way beyond me, which is a lot, right? Uh, to actually just present it to God by putting it on our hands, just, you know what, it's going to give you this. So if there's something that's going on in your life, a relationship that's going on, you're like, you know what, I would love to see the Lord rehab that. I would love to see him do that, just to, just to surrender it to him and say, you know what, it's yours. This is your burden, God. I choose to just participate with what you're doing, Holy Spirit. So would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Thank you for your word, God, that it's just alive, it's living, it's relevant to today. So, Lord, we just, uh, we just present you with anything that it feels heavy, any, any relationship that uh, we could only dream of you providing restoration and, and rehabbing. We just give them to you right now. I just invite you to just, just put out your hands and just, just invite him. Take, take whatever it is that he wants to take. Just to lay your burdens, lay your cares at the cross. To just give them to Jesus.
Lord, we choose to forgive. We choose to not hold on to being right. We choose, and we make the conscious choice right now. Holy Spirit, would you just lead us and guide us and give us the right words to say and in relationships. You're a miracle working God. pressing in, just inviting God to just um, give you strength to be led by His Spirit. Also for anybody else in this room, if if you've never uh, started following Jesus and never received the forgiveness that's available, it's so hard to have a concept of forgiveness and forgiving others when you haven't received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ once and for all. It's, it's almost impossible to understand what it's like to forgive somebody else when you haven't stepped into the forgiveness and the freedom that Jesus Christ has to offer. And it's available right here and right now. He has forgiven you. He has rehabbed your life. He has restored you back to perfect order. He has plans and purposes for you that even if you've ran away for all of your life and ran away from his plans and his purposes, that he is restoring them. He is rehabbing your life right now. And he just says, come to me and surrender your life once and for all. Just give me your life and watch what I can do. Watch what I can do. Watch what I can do. There's nothing that separates you from the amazing forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ. And so I just invite you even in this moment right now for the very first time to just say, you know what, Jesus, I just surrender my life over to you. I believe what you've done for me on the cross. This is the moment. This is the time. You know what? Time goes way too fast. Don't waste another day. Don't waste one more hour. Don't waste one more minute. This is the moment. Just say, Jesus, I want you in my life. Will you you take my life? Restore it. Would you just stand up with me right now? Just stand up, please, if you can. And if any of you in this room said, you know what, that's me. I want to I start following Jesus Christ. Go ahead and raise your hand right now. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Very cool. Very cool. Amen. Very cool. Very cool. He sees these hands. He sees these hands. Let me just pray over you right now. And then what I'd love for you to do is I want you to come up and receive some prayer. Just have somebody put their hand on you and just bless what God's doing, okay? As we start this song off. Lord, thank you so much for these new hearts that just said, you know what, I want to start following you. And I just pray that the passion and the zeal doesn't leave as they leave this place, but their life would be a brand new life and do what only you can do. Would you restore everything in their life that they've uh, put on a shelf, dreams that they've had in the past of what you could do in their life, dreams of what uh, their life was supposed to be like. Would you restore and rehab lives, Lord? 
And enemy, I just rebuke you in any of your ugly words that would try to take these sheep away from God's pasture, that your words would just fall on empty uh, ground, that it would fall on rocky soil, that there'd be nothing that would distract them from this moment on. Lord, I pray that your word would be loud and clear in their ears as they open up the Bible, that the word would just come to life. Holy Spirit, would you just fill them up from their head to their toe in your power and your presence right here, right now. They're yours, God. From this moment on, they are your children. They're your sons and daughters. Amen. Hey, let's put our hands together for the Lord and these new people following Jesus. Real quickly so that we can get our kids, can we just sing Jaira just for a couple times? Let's just let that sink in today.